Um, I would say that uh, quality does matter, um, which at first I really didn't think. I said, I just thought, what's the difference between, you know, this marabou and that marabou? But some companies really do put a little more time and effort, I think, into their dyes, into their selection. Um, that's probably one big thing. Besides yeah. that, I don't know. Again, patience, because you're going to suck pretty bad at first, <laughs> to be honest. Most people do, just because I didn't know what to use. Um, and I wasn't really coming from spin fishing and being a bass angler. It's, for me, it's all bright colors. It's get them to see it so they can bite it. And I had to learn pretty quickly that not all, you know, trout aren't always coming up and hitting that bright orange and chartreuse bug or something. So I had to learn pretty quick to try to match the hatch and start looking at the, you know, the larvae and the bugs in the water, which I enjoy doing too. And I didn't even think it was an aspect to the sport, but it, it, uh, it definitely helps out. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. We're going to try something a little different today. We're going to go back in time, if you will, and figure out when you're new to fly fishing, some of those hurdles, some of the uh, perceived obstacles or challenges about getting into the sport. And I think it's kind of a, it's a nice take. And I've had a few people ask this, you know, if I'm new to the sport, how do I get into it? We're going to chat today with a gentleman that's been doing it for about six, eight months. He's out of Fredericton, New Brunswick, has a lot of passion. And uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. The Fly Crate has taught thousands of anglers world-class fly fishing techniques since 2015. They provide unique fly fishing flies, gear, and tackle. The Fly Crate is an American-owned company committed to helping USA veterans by dedicating 2% of sales to Project Healing Waters. Check them out at www.theflycrate.com. Just before we kick off the show, I just want to thank our top five cities this time around this week on the podcast for downloads couple uh we've got mountain view california with the most downloads dallas texas next portland oregon philadelphia pa and arlington texas along with burlington ontario thank you so much for uh for listening Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Thanks for joining us this time around. We want to welcome to the program Brandon Snook. Now, Brandon is out of Fredericton, New Brunswick, uh, relatively new to fly fishing. We uh, touched base on Instagram a little while back, and I know he's very passionate about it. And uh, we wanted to kind of take it back to his roots and find out how he got started. Brandon, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Mark. It's perfect timing because, you know, um, I had some listeners actually reach out to me a while back and they wanted to know kind of some of the biggest hurdles, some of the obstacles when it comes to getting into the pastime. And now you reached out and said, hey, I'm relatively new to fly fishing. I know you're tying some flies and it looks like you're getting pretty uh, kind of all in. Maybe tell us a little bit about how you came to uh, discover fly fishing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I fished quite a bit as a young boy with my father it was mostly always stock ponds and things like that it was more or less let's go out and get some trout so we can bring it home and eat it kind of a situation right um and then i kind of veered off towards i'd say probably middle school high school i was more into sports and the biking and skateboarding and i always loved being outside it's just fishing kind of got pushed to the back burner for me mm -hmm. um 
but after high school, I started to get back into spin fishing and stuff quite a bit. And just this recent summer that has passed, I really went all in. I got a new little John boat and I just kind of went overboard and went crazy on fishing gear and spin gear. But then there was just something about fly fishing that always made me a little nervous just because it seems when you see those guys out there, they're normally not the ones that are talking to anybody or hanging out with the spin fishermen. They're normally in their zone and it just was always quite, uh, I, was, I was just nervous to even go into it. I thought it was a fancy man's game, but you learn pretty mm. quickly that if you can get a rod, you can, you can get out there and fish. Yeah. So it, you kind of said something there that kind of stuck with me a little bit. So I know what you mean. It's almost like a, there's a bit of a wall there at first, especially as most people come to the sport from spin fishing or, uh, you know, basically bait fishing, whatever. Um, but that transition is a little bit challenging and maybe walk us through that. Like, how did, how did you figure it out? Are you a kind of a YouTube guy or did you just go to your local fly shop? What, what was your method for discovering how to, how to work it out? Um, I really, I went to Canadian Tire. I bought basically the cheapest little starter set that I could find. I came with a couple flies and some line and a reel and rod. And I just threw the waders on and walked out into the river and gave it a shot. I learned pretty quickly, though. It's, um, it was the complete opposite to what I knew of with spin fishing when it came to casting and everything. So casting was definitely the hardest thing. Um, right. I just basically got out there every day and kept trying. And then... Once I felt like I kind of had the idea, I started watching more videos on how to get rid of some of the bad habits and actually do it correctly, you know? Sure. And what, what was the time frame on this? How long ago were we talking here? Um, I would have started fly fishing at the start of the summer, so mm -hmm. probably May-ish. Of 2019. So, so yeah. this this is perfect it's a, because you can really walk me through this because it's been a long time for me, but I still remember some of the same old like what did you find most challenging was it the casting or, or um it was a bit of the casting i had quite a hard time with fly selection too just because i didn't know what to use mm -hmm. um and i wasn't really coming from spin fishing and being a bass angler it's for me it's all bright colors it's get them to see it so they can bite it and i had to learn pretty quickly that not all, you know, trout aren't always coming up and hitting that bright orange and chartreuse bug or something. So I had to learn pretty quick to try to match the hatch and start looking at the, you know, the larvae and the bugs in the water, which I enjoy doing too. And I didn't even think it was an aspect to the sport, but it it, uh, it definitely helps out. Well, and you know, something too is, is such a big difference between fly fishing for smallies and fly fishing for trout. Um mm. So maybe, maybe walk us through that. How did you, because I would imagine people that have done a lot of spin fishing or um, say casting minnow patterns uh, with spinning gear for, for bass, the transition probably makes a little more sense because you kind of know what they're all about. Yeah, absolutely. That's why as well, like uh, if you do look at my flies, I normally go pretty big, pretty bright. I like poppers and stuff like that. And that does come from the spin fishing aspect. But um it, I, I, it's kind of hard to explain with how much of a difference there was when I got into it. Um, mainly, though, I just learned pretty quickly that, or not even learned, it just shocked me that I could throw out a tiny little fly, and that's what the trout were coming for. When I'm used to, like, go for the big, big bait means big fish, but when you're fly fishing, that's not necessarily always the case, nor are you always looking for the biggest fish. I'd like to look for the, the pretty ones, I guess, more or less than the big ones. That's so true. A lot of the biggest fish comes on the smallest patterns when it comes to fly fishing. 
Yeah, and it blew my mind when it when it started to happen. Yeah, that's cool. So walk us through your area. So you're in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. Um, you're primarily uh, smallmouth in, in brook trout, or, or you tell us what you're targeting. Um, it's uh, there's a few different species you can target. There's a lot of smallmouth. Unfortunately, um, they are quite an invasive species around here right now. Uh, we did have a lot of largemouth years and years ago, but they've dwindled quite a bit because those smallies are just little eaten machines. But yeah, we'll have smallies. We have a lot of brookies. Um, there's lots of guys out here that go for muskie, go for striper. And uh, yeah, sometimes if you do get lucky in certain spots, you can go for a largemouth, but they're pretty hard to find. Our town has a, uh, it's split right in the middle by a pretty massive river system called the St. John River. Mm-hmm. So it does give people a lot of chance to hop on a boat and get out there. But there's also tons of little brooks and canals that come off it, which are really good for the bank fishermen and the fly fishermen as well. I was taking a pretty good look at kind of that water system in and around your neck of the woods, and it looked to me like I could see why smallies would do so well there. There's lots of little hidden gems. Yeah, it's it's pretty much all hidden gems, which is a really fun thing, and the only bad thing about it is it's a lot of you catch a fish and don't tell anyone about where you got it, but that's not really how I like to do it. I like sharing, and you know maybe I'll give you a spot if you give me a spot kind of thing. Right. Who would you say has been a big influence on your fly fishing? Like, is there a local shop that you go to and maybe get your get your fill and, and kind of uh, get a feel for what's going on? Or are you an Instagram guy? What's what's kind of your your go to? Um, unfortunately, with our town, we used to have a fly fishing shop a couple of years ago before I was even into fly fishing, so I didn't even really know about it. But uh, we have none now. The only place you can get any gear, even to tie, is up at a Canadian Tire that's about half an hour away from Fredericton. So we're not too good on the old fly shop talk around here. It's mostly river talk when in the summer. Yeah, in the summer when you're actually out there, that's really the only time you get to really, uh, you know, talk with other fly fishermen themselves. Right. Sorry, there. I just had a tapestry fall on my head from the ceiling. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's <laughs> all good. <laughs> and that doesn't happen every day being that you when you first got going you, you go in you get a kind of a starter uh fly rod did you start with a uh, floating line or a sinking line floating and that's yeah. only because i knew nothing about the lines in the first place and that's just what came on the rod i always think that it's a lot easier to start with the floating line it's just easier to figure out the casting you know you don't have as much drag as you're learning yeah i i enjoy the floating line and um I mean, I find it it's very fun when you're uh, hunting smallmouth with poppers and you have that floating line on and they just come up and slam it. I like a nice bright line, even though I know some people don't like that. I just like to be able to see every little uh, movement when the big take comes. What um, kind of length and weight rod would most most folks be using in, you know, the St. John River or uh, your, your home waters? It uh, it would kind of vary a bit. Personally, I use a six weight. I use a... Uh, um just under nine foot four piece six weight but i know a lot of people they'll rock the the nine foot six weight some people will go with the three if you're going on those smaller rivers but most people i think carry a bit of a heavier weight just because the fact of the smallmouth around here are so aggressive that you are going to run into them sooner or later even if you're only hunting brookies you're going to get a smallie what else, what other challenges have, have you found? Um, I mean, has there been a big learning curve when it comes to even doing something like a nail knot or, or the, the different uh, knots that you're tying? Um, 
walk us through some of the, some of the other things that you've kind of um, not been struggling with, but 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 I would say like that learning that steep learning curve. Take us through that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, knots are definitely they were definitely up there. I'm not very I'm not very uh, dainty or delicate on my knots. Um, I I know a couple that I stick to, and those are the ones I mm-hmm. use. So, and it was very difficult for me too when I'm used to tying on those big old baits. It's so easy to you know you can get the line off and get a new one on in no time. But I'm very right. shaky and fidgety, so I'm sitting there holding the fly and I can barely get it through the eye or anything. Um, that was definitely a big hurdle. But I'd have to say the the overall casting and just the movement of the rod and the um you know the retrieval of the fish even it's just so opposite from what i was used to but now Mm -hmm. i feel like once i've got on the learn or once that learning curve starts to go down a little bit it's almost seems easier than using the regular rod and i have a buddy that fly fishes and he's got a a younger kid and he always said that it's easier to teach a child to learn how to fish if you put a fly rod in their hand than if you put a spin rod in their hand. And I never believed that, but then I see some of these little guys out there in the river and they're just whipping stuff across the river and they seem to get a pretty good handle on it. Cause you don't need that strength. Like you think you'd need when you see someone right. fly fishing, right? Yeah. It's all timing. And, and that's something that I, I know whenever I go out with somebody that's either relatively new or even some, some people have been doing it a long time and haven't figured out, that you have to wait for that line to load behind you. And it's, you feel it more than, than anything else. Yeah. That was definitely a big curve for me too, having to let the rod do the work and, you know, I'd have to trust the rod and let it know, or it knows what it's going to do. And instead of me over there trying to puck a popper across the river and it lands in a tangled mess, two feet in front of me. So what are your go-to patterns for smallies in your area? What do you like to use? Uh, definitely fire tiger pretty much all the time. Um, I'll, I'll tie a big old bait fish uh, fly, and if it's fire tiger, they bite. They love chartreuse. They really like it bright around here. Um, our water clarity is normally pretty bad, unless there's a sweet spot in the summer where the water's quite nice, but for the most part, it's pretty dark. So I like to try to give them something to really get a good look at. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I know uh, where I'm at, orange is just a great color. Um, yeah, and like it works say, great here too. Chartreuse, anything that's got some motion and, and, and kind of creates a bit of a disturbance. Yeah, and there's not um, there's not as many fly fishermen around here as spin fishermen, not even close. And a lot of them do use very small, you know, natural colors. So I like to throw something big and bright. Just if they didn't, if they've never seen it before, I think there might be more of a chance that they might check it out. You know, I got to say, I'm a little envious of where you're at because I'll tell you on my bucket list is Atlantic salmon. So yeah, <laughs> is have you even ventured to that yet? Is that something? No, I haven't. About? Not even with spin fishing. I don't even have uh, the secondary salmon license. My uh, my girlfriend is actually or was for years in salmon conservation and because our population was really down here like you can't keep a salmon you can only like there's basically people don't fish them anymore because they're so little because a lot of the smallmouth did come in and destroy them basically but uh yeah there's some beautiful atlantic salmon in here and about an hour away from where i am is a place called doketown and the miramichi river goes through there and Mm. back in the back in the day it was world famous for 
those Atlantic salmon. People would fly from all over the world to come fish them. I might try it this year, but I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to figure it out then. We're chatting today with Brandon Snook out of Fredericton, New Brunswick, and uh, just getting a feel for uh, for the area and kind of uh, from someone's perspective that is new to the sport, which I think is kind of a nice take. It's not something I've done a lot on the show, and I think we need to do more of it. Um, Brandon, I'm going to ask you a few rapid-fire questions. Hopefully I don't catch you off guard here, but you ready? Absolutely. Okay, man, when you're when you're driving to the your part of the St. John, uh what are you listening to on the way to the water music-wise? Oh, we've got uh we got some Johnny Cash going, we got some Willie Nelson going. Might uh sneak a rap song in there here and there, but I like to keep it pretty old school to give me that real real good feeling, you know, before you go to the water. What's your one go-to fly pattern you can't live without right now? <sighs> well, you got to have the woolly bugger. What color? Um, I'm probably going to an orange, orange and white. Yeah. Now we covered this a little bit, but your favorite place to talk fly fishing is there a coffee shop? Is there? I know there's a lot of uh, brew pubs in your your neck of the woods. Yeah, um, definitely a definitely a brew pub is where you pretty much do any kind of talking around here. Pretty. Uh, Fredericton's <laughs> pretty well known for its beer, isn't it? Yeah, we uh, we're known a bit be a bit of a drinking town. Favorite sports team? We're talking Leafs, we're talking Habs, we're talking Patriots. I mean, I know you're, we're, what do you, what we're going to you... have to go, we're going to have to go with the Oilers. Oilers? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know not a lot of people say it these days, but that's who I'm going with. Okay. Did they used to have a farm team out that way? Pardon? Did they used to have their farm team out that way? Um, to... to- like towards this way, but not, not all the way. I'm, sure. I'm trying to understand that connection. That That's pretty cool. Um, when you're not fly fishing, you're usually doing what? Um, I'm probably working in the wood shop or dealing with, I got seven animals at home, so it's always something to do. <laughs> What's the biggest lesson, Brandon, you've learned through your fly fishing journey so far? Patience. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's come to my real life as well. I think a little bit. Name a couple of your favorite movies. Oh, God, I'm a comedy guy. Um, Step Brothers is up there. That's I, I watch that all the time. Uh, if it's got Will Ferrell in it, if it's got Mark Wahlberg in it, it's probably one of my favorite movies. <laughs> best best fly fishing location you have been? Oh, we have a little river around here called the Nashwalk River. Um, it cuts through a little town called Marysville where I grew up, and it's just a really small, quaint little town and it's just beautiful the the water is not too deep it's just up to your waist and you can just watch osprey fly around and pick trout right out of the water then you go where they were and you try to get a couple yourself what do you uh, what do you use for those brookies out there um all different things they're not they're not particularly picky um yep. but the, they are quite small around here we don't get them too big the biggest one i got last year was probably only 12 or 13 inches so he wasn't very big but uh anything small anything with a natural color to it that'll do the job what do you do for a day job uh my dad and i actually run a wood shop okay what what are you making that shop um it's mostly in the winter we do indoor furniture and in the summer we do a lot of things for like playgrounds and daycares like we build little houses and kitchens and all that kind of fun stuff for kids 
Good stuff. Hey, I, I want to get back to your to your fly fishing experience and kind of transition into because I know you do a lot of tying, and that probably, as anybody that's come to fly fishing realizes, there's a lot of different avenues and a lot of things that can take up a lot of your time. Is is tying one of those things for you right now? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a uh, I had to slow down a bit because I was uh, getting told that I you know don't be sitting tying flies when there's a sink full of dishes to be done so i've gotten in trouble a couple times and i'm trying to get a bit better but up where i live it's freezing cold there's tons of snow um i don't ice fish i don't even want to be outside when it's snowing so that's pretty much just helped me with the hobby and my love for fishing when i can't fish i think that is kind of a, a northern situation that maybe some people uh, in the far south don't don't realize that tying is kind of what gets us through the winter what's it like in your region around this time of year it's it's not as cold as you but um it's a lot of hard water let's put it that way okay yeah. um valley bottoms usually not so much the larger um, lakes usually stay ice free for the most part but uh, if you go anywhere near the alpine it's frozen solid for okay for four months a year I always so, wonder. Yeah, I've never, I've never been out that way. My brother lived on, uh, in Victoria, but I never got the chance to go. Yeah, well, they're even milder than us. So, um, but interior British Columbia, it's dry. Okay. So there's um, a fair bit of snow. It gets gets quite cold, but not as much snow as you would think because we have a, a bit of a rain shadow effect. So uh, there's a little bit of ice fishing that kind of gets me through. And but it's like you say, it's mostly tying flies. If Brandon, if you could give somebody some advice that's starting out uh looking at making their own flies um where do you where would you start i mean what's the best way did you go out and get a kit or did you, how did you uh, walk us through that process yeah when i started i did find a little uh, 80 dollar kit which had surprisingly a decent amount of materials they were all very low quality the hooks were terrible the vice was terrible i actually just use the vice now when i'm painting popper heads or putting a little extra super glue on i don't want to get anything on the old regal but uh yeah i got a kit i didn't watch any videos i kind of just sat down and started trying and trying and it was a lot of failures i actually had a full little box i just threw out a couple days ago from my first couple weeks of trying because they were just i thought they were so good and so pretty they were monstrosities like just hideous flies but um i just kind of wanted to get in there before i started watching tutorials and uh just see if I could use my own patterns with my own mind before I was going to start imitating the real winners. And I think that helps a lot. I think it gives you a bit more freedom. It made it much more fun for me. I don't really like um, following patterns a ton just because mm -hmm. it's too, it's just too in line and instructional for what I enjoy to do. Well, I think that that's how you harness your creativity too. You know, you can put your, your own personal spin on it. Yeah, Absolutely. It's funny you just mentioned that uh, having like a, a bin or a jar of flies that kind of is kind of the the no good pile, if you will. Because you know what I've found is that jar is always around. doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. But I think the quality of the flies go up in that jar all the time. And then <laughs> pretty soon you'll be at a point where your buddies will be like, hey, I, I wouldn't mind those. Don't throw those out. But you're... It, it, you never ever stop getting better in my mind at time flies and it sounds I've, I've looked at some of your patterns on instagram and you're definitely starting with some some pretty uh you know not some not easy patterns to tie yeah i like uh i do like the bigger presentations i like the um i do enjoy slightly doing like the smaller trout flies and stuff but 
I just like to put a lot of color in it. I'm terrible at drawing and painting, and I'm, I'm not a very good artist, and I think I finally found something where I can use a bit of color, put a little mm-hmm. bit of something together. So you say you're tying on a Regal, uh, Regal Vice right now? I am. I'm not sure the model. It's just a, uh, it's not a pedestal. It clamps right to my table. Yep. But she um, does the job. If you had to think of a tip or a couple of... Uh bits of knowledge you've taken away from since you started tying flies would you any advice for someone that's just starting out um i would say that uh quality does matter um which at first mm. i really didn't think i said i just thought what's the difference between you know this marabou and that marabou but some companies really do put a little more time and effort i think into their dyes into their selection um that's probably one big thing Besides yeah. that, I don't know. Again, patience, because you're going to suck pretty bad at first, to be honest. How Most did, people do. How did you uh, How did you find learning to, to whip finish? Is that something you struggled with, or did that yeah, come pretty I naturally? Even, I didn't even know what that tool was for about a month of me trying to tie. I just I had no idea. I tried to search it up, and I couldn't figure out what it was. So I was just tying by hand. And, uh, yeah, those flies were bad. But once I... Once I um, mustered up the courage to type in or just Google, I guess, what is this weird tool in my fly box? And I found out what it was for. I was, I was <laughs> shocked and awe. I was so happy that I, I found a tool that actually finishes everything off for me. I just can't believe I didn't know what it was. I just kind of sat it to the back. I'm kind of glad to hear you say that because you want to hear something funny that I've never told anybody. I've been tying for 40 years and I just truly started using a whip finish maybe two years ago I, I used to do it i used to do it by hand which is you know that's you can do it that way but the whip finish makes life so much easier and it does um <laughs> it, it's funny because i i have a couple of tools that i don't really know what they are i'm looking at my bench right now i you know one thing i'll tell you that i have found is the thread is so important i, I used to use unithread and to be honest with you i can't stand it ever since i switched to utc Okay. It's kind of a, a flatter thread. That was a game changer for me. It'll make your heads a lot tighter and kind of, I always, not that I judge flies, but when I look at the front of a fly, you can usually tell when someone's been doing it for a while because it's kind of polished and Absolutely. You know, not really built up. But UTC will help you with that if you're not using that a lot. I'd like to get into some of that uh, UV resin that I see online and stuff. Some people do some crazy stuff with that, but I don't know if I have the talent to uh, use that. I've never even tried to use it. So. Oh, it's super, super easy. Oh, the one thing I would say, make sure you get a, a decent UV light. Loon makes a good one. There's lots of good companies that make them. But the um, start with thin, like a thin. Don't don't use the heavy build, like a UV Flow or uh, some people like uh, Solaris, I believe it's called. Okay. Um, just something that's thin, and all, yeah, just keep it away from your eyes that UV and whatnot. But it, um, some people have a lot of sensitivity to that too, like but, like um, allergy sensitivity. Or? Yeah, yeah. I I know I actually suffer for it a little bit. I have used. Uh, I don't want to be slamming any companies on this, but I have used a, yeah. some that really really bothered me. But I found UV. Uh, the the loon stuff was good. I'll have to um, check it out. It's I have to yeah, order it online because, like I said, we don't have a fly shop. And the uh, Canadian Tire that I can get my supplies from, uh, they're not actually Canadian Tire supplies. The owner of the store just has a lot of friends that fly fish, so he brings right. in all these extra products for them. Yeah, there's so many good places. I, I deal with trout waters a lot in in Kelowna, BC. And there's a fellow on the island, uh, Togans. They're good. Um, 
there there's so many right uh, it's yeah well and one thing it, it is a little the cross-border thing sometimes is tough it's not as easy as it probably should be no absolutely but, not so i'm curious on your time in the water since you kind of started casting this fly rod and getting all caught up in the fly fishing game have you had any crazy fish stories or anything weird or wonderful happen to you in your time on the water um my fly fishing is normally pretty pretty tame it's normally just me out there enjoying nature i have um i got one like decent one we were out fishing for smallies in the saint john river and i had let my friend use the rod and got everything all messed up and tangled up and i had tripped and broke my rod but the line was still in the water so as i was moping around all upset i went to start yanking up my uh my line and i realized i was like this is super heavy there must be a stick or something on this and as i'm pulling it in that this massive uh, smallie the biggest one i've caught he was just shy of four pounds just came oh. flying out of the water about like 20 feet off the boat and we just started screaming like grab the net grab the net and i'm hand lining this thing in because my rod's all broke and we ended up getting them in, but besides, that's probably the craziest thing that happened. You can see you broke them. your rod. Oh, you broke your rod on that fish. I did well, not technically. I broke my rod because I tripped and tried to grab oh, it for weight gotcha. on the boat. So he didn't break it. He wasn't that big. But uh, yeah, he's actually. It's on my Instagram, uh, pretty much at the bottom, and you can see on my face that I'm just in not a good mood at all. But I should have a big old smile. It's my biggest smallie of the year, but I was not happy because I snapped that rod like nothing. That's a big smallmouth. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was pretty shocked. He's he's beautiful. He's a like a beautiful bronze color too. Um, we don't normally get them that big. We we rock a lot like two, three. So you can get a three pounder decently easy, but uh, yeah, the the fours don't come quite often around here. Yeah, fair enough. That's that's a big smallie anywhere. If you could take us through so far your perfect day on the water. Like, what does that look like? Just uh, walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not much of a morning fisherman. I am very seldomly, but I like to uh, I like to get off work, come home, get some food, deal with all the animals, you know, see my see my loved one, and then I like to get out around maybe seven I, when that sun starts to just just starts to dip, and I like to be out in the water decently cool i don't want it to be too hot i don't want to be out there sweating in my waders so decently cool on that sunset alone um in a smaller a smaller body of water um definitely moving but that's probably it just as calm as i can get it it seems to be since i've started fly fishing it's almost seems to be a therapy for me when i'm out there and it really connects you to what's around you mm -hmm. know yeah, that's uh, and that's something you you really start to notice the small things, a lot of details, a lot of things that you might not otherwise notice. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything you'd like to see us do differently in fly fishing, Brandon? Like, is there anything you think we could do better, or kind of irks you a bit? Um, like I said earlier about the spots and the little hidden gems, I wish it wasn't so. Um, competitive i know not talking obviously about competitive fly fishing because that should be competitive but just when you're out on the water i think everyone should wave and smile and say hello um it's normally and i'm not trying to i'm not putting anybody down but when i'm out there and there's other young guys i'm 24 so normally the other young guys will all group together even if you've never met and you kind of roll together and go hunt and fish but 
the older guys that have been out there for years just obviously want nothing to do with us, right? Hooping and hollering when we catch a fish and everything. And they're out there trying to have their peaceful day. But that's pretty much the only thing I would like to change. Just make it more of a a friendly a friendly sport when you're on the water. Because I know some people really don't they don't want it to do or they don't want anything to do with anyone else when they're doing it, which is fine. But I think you should still be nice about it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And that's one thing I, I agree hundred percent. I'd like to see more inclusion. I think it's gotten a lot better. Like when I go back 10, 15, 20 years, uh, the sport has actually trained, changed drastically. Really. There's a lot of younger crowd like yourself coming into it. And all of a sudden it's, it's, it's kind of a cool place to be like, for a while there, it was looked as like a, an older person's sport. But I think, uh, you know, with guys like yourself getting into it, um, it can only get better. Yeah, hopefully. it's a, That's definitely what I thought. I thought it was a gentleman's sport. And then I got out there, and I'm down here on the East Coast. It's all hunters and fishers and stuff anyway. So I thought it was all fancy. And then you get down there, and there's boys with no shirts on with their waders, and the water's like almost up to their necks, and they're out there. And I'm like, they're not fancy people at all. So when you look ahead to this season, I'm sure you're going to spend a lot of hours at the bench over the winter, kind of uh, honing your fly tying craft. But what's kind of on your do list this year? Any Anything you'd like to, you know, new new species you'd like to target or new waters you'd like to uh, test? Yeah, I would definitely like to do some more still water because I don't get much of a chance. There's tons of lakes around, but I just, I don't get, uh, you have to have access to a lot of them because they're normally camp lakes. Um, but mainly, I, I wouldn't mind catching a striper. But besides that, I just want to get out as much as I can because I'm, uh, we're actually moving up north next year. My, uh, my girlfriend's a teacher, so we're going up north, and that'll be a whole other bucket of worms when it comes to fishing. So I'm just trying to get out as much as I possibly can before I take off. How far north are we talking? Are we talking like Labrador Brookie north? No, no, we're talking like a Callowit north. Wow. Yeah, really up there. But so what's um, up there? Grayling? I have no idea. Um we're going to a place called Arviet, which is just south of the Callowit, and I was searching up pictures and there were people holding pictures of these these trout that I don't know if they were sea trout. They were a weird, very weird pale color that I wasn't used to seeing, but they were easy 30 pound 20 pound monsters like massive salmon and trout so hoping to get on some of that well i'm sure you get into some arctic char and, yeah for sure uh, and that, that sounds like fun you know what i think we should have to touch base uh when are you going up there next year yeah this fall this fall sorry yeah okay well let's touch base and see how the fly fishing's progressing and and see what what you can dial us in on up, up there yeah i would love to do that Brandon, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for listening, reaching out, and uh, keep up the good work on the bench and, and on the water. Thank you for having me, Mark. It means the world. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.